This is the Horse Radio Network. This is episode 459 of the Stable Scoop Show. Please support our sponsors as they make this show possible. Our sponsors this week are Horselovers.com and Uncle Jimmy's. You're listening to the Stable Scoop Radio Show, where host Glenn and Helena guide you through some of the horse world's most fascinating stories. Owning and loving horses means there's always a story to tell. It may be funny, exciting, or inspiring, but it will almost always be fascinating. Join us for The Scoop each week as we tap into the stories that are woven into everything we do, at the barn, at home, and everywhere in between. This is Glenn the Geek, and we are on vacation this week. Helena is playing in Rhode Island, and Jen and I are on our first cruise in 15 years. So we are changing the order of events around today. I have for you our Horse Lovers product review, and then after that, I thought it would be appropriate, as we are right now on a Royal Caribbean cruise, to play for you a non-horsey interview that I did with a podcaster I've been listening to for as long as I've been podcasting, almost 10 years. You know when you guys come on the shows and say to us, wow, you sound just the same as you did on this show. Well, that is how I felt interviewing Matt Hotchberg of Royal Caribbean Podcast. And formally, he did a Disney podcast that we listened to for years. It is listening to his show that motivated Jennifer and I to take the cruise that we're on right now and also to book the Horse Lovers Cruise for February of next year. If you are interested in joining us on a fun cruise in February, visit horseloverscruise.com. Cabots are selling and almost 50 people have booked already. Get your reservation in today. And also, I am so excited because Matt talks faster than I do. So there's a podcaster that actually talks a little faster than I do and makes me look slow. I'm so excited about that. We, uh, I think you'll enjoy the interview today. First up, though, we're going to have the Horseloversa.com product review and then Matt Hotchberg of the Royal Caribbean Podcast. Enjoy, have some fun, and we'll be back next week. This week's Tack and Habit product review is brought to us by our auditor, Alex, and it's uh, provided by Horselovers.com. Hi, Alex. Hey, Glenn. Thank you for doing this. We got, you got, rather, a Rambo Flybuster Vamoose fly sheet, which uh, this isn't a bad product to review, valued at 200 bucks. Yep. It's a pretty good product, actually. Well, yeah, tell us about it. Uh, first of all, tell us a little bit about the horse you put it on. Uh, Chance is an Appaloosa, and uh, we've had him for about three years now. And he's uh, got very, very sensitive skin, especially when it gets easily irritated whenever there's a uh, he gets bitten by uh, flies or of the sort. But um, he's, he's a good horse. Uh, he's one of our two horses. And you live in... Midland, Georgia. Georgia, okay. So you definitely have flies and bugs and, and summer yep. weather there, yep. Absolutely. So tell us, now this fly sheet is the overall one. It, if I remember right, it has a long tail flap, and it also has a neck, uh, a neck piece. That is correct. Is the neck piece detachable, or is it built in? The neck piece doesn't look like it's detachable, though. Okay, so it's built in. All right, good. Oh, no, it is a removable it's, neck it, cover, actually. It, yeah, is, it removable. is removable. Yeah. I, I'm sorry, I just, looked at, I just looked at the instruction. I was looking for it. Sorry. Yeah, that's all right. I, I got that. And all right, so how long have you been using it? Uh, about two months now. 
And what do you think? Roughly. Well, it seems like it's a very good product. All in all, it was very, very easy for me to use. Um, didn't really require too many instruction manuals. It all seemed very, very common sense. But um, some of the things that I've noticed uh, about it, it's very, very sturdy. It holds up to a 24-7, uh, 24/7 turnout. Uh, it stays in place even when the horse rolls around because we all know how our horses like to roll around in the dirt. And it seems like ap- light-colored Appaloosas like to roll a lot. I don't know why. Oh, they do for some reason. Yeah. Uh, it works. It, notice a reduction in flies thanks to the no-fly zone. So uh, silk lining your shoulders protects hair, and other sheets have rubbed them. Like, for instance, uh, the, the lining that's actually on the horse sheet itself, okay, it, just around the shoulders, other fabrics have been known to, like, you know, rub on his skin fairly harshly, but not this stuff, which is actually very good, which is especially considering this kind of horse. Um, silk lining on the neck protects uh, the mane, which is important. And it's, and like I said, it's very, very easy to put on. So, and, and like I said, I'm still, you know, getting used to the whole horse accessory world. But like I said, this is very, very, very easy for, even for me to put on. So if I can do it, anybody can do it kind of deal. And it's held up. You've used it for two months, no tears or rips. No tears, no rips as of yet. Good. And then also, this comes with the, I can't ever say that word, permethrin, uh, which is the fly spray that's kind of built in. Uh, So you have seen a reduction in flies around him because of that? Yes, that is correct. Oh, that's good. A reduction of like flies right on him in in a general sense, yes. And then uh, it says that actually you can watch it up to 70 times and the the fly protection will stay, uh, which is amazing. So so that's really good. A couple more things to add to it is like uh, for people that are curious about it, like for instance, uh, something like this, whether they're going to worry about whether it's going to overheat their horses. Uh, Being in Georgia right now, where it's starting to get up in the 80s and 90s with usually about 100% humidity. It's actually manages to still keep the uh, horses cool and comfortable. So if that's a concern for some people, let them know that this isn't something for them to worry about. The mesh is going to keep the manage to keep the horse nice and cool throughout the the duration of their wear. Terrific. Is it also available from sizes sixty, which actually is my pony, up to eighty seven. Mm-hmm. So and it comes in oatmeal. Well, that's the color. They sort of a light tan. <laughs> so, well, terrific. Yeah. Sounds like you like it. Uh, it is the Rambo Flybuster Vamoose. Uh, Horselovers.com mm-hmm. has it right now at around $200. So head on over there and, and get yours today. Hello, folks. Uncle Jimmy here, and welcome to the world of Uncle Jimmy brand products, where funny names mean serious products. Featuring Uncle Jimmy Squeezy Buns, the squeezably soft hand treat that your horse will love. The award-winning Uncle Jimmy's Hangin' Balls. Uncle Jimmy's Sugar-Free Ball. The incredible Licky Thing, also in Sugar-Free. The amazing Uncle Jimmy's Pecker Wrecker. And the Big Licky. The infamous Uncle Jimmy Hangin' Ball was first designed by me for my own horses to help reduce the bad habits which come from stall boredom. It now can be found around the world. This nutritious flavored filled boredom buster will help keep your horses occupied and happy around the clock. Properly hung, it will last for weeks, provided you don't let your horse pin it, and Uncle Jimmy knows who you are. The ball comes in four flavors, apple, carrot, peppermint, molasses, and now sugar-free. Once again, welcome to the world of Uncle Jimmy's brand products, where funny names mean serious products, and satisfaction is 100% 
guaranteed. Well, hi, Matt. So good to have you on one of my non-horse special episodes. Thank you, Glenn. Thanks for the invite. It's really, uh, it's always fun to be able to talk about the how 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 the sauce is made, how the donuts are made, That's you right. know, all that kind of fun stuff. Right. That's why people take the kitchen tours on the cruise ships, um, is to see exactly how the sauce is made. So now you you've been podcasting a long time. I started two thousand six. When were you? Oh uh, five. God. Okay. So was iTunes even around when you started? I think it was. It was really when we started. iTunes had just come out. The first couple podcasts had begun. And it was really just kind of this like, hey, have you heard about this kind of thing? And it really captured my imagination because it really – it was such a cool idea because we've always – you know, being able to talk you know, on audio, radio, however you want to look at it, is just a natural form. It's so easy to do, especially when you're passionate about something. And I think the first couple of podcasts I listened to, I was totally hooked on the, on the, on the platform and the idea because it just – it was like perfect because you get to listen, you know, when you're at, in the car or uh, at work. It's just it's an easy kind of thing to do. It's without being uh, totally invested as in like, you know, a video game. You got to pay total attention. Um, you know, a, a TV show, you got to your whole attention has to be there. But podcasting is a little more uh, relaxed. And I re- that was really what was so cool about it. Now, but uh, if you were like me, we didn't know what the hell we were doing because there were. Cause there <laughs> I still were, don't know what I'm doing. Because <laughs> there were like no tools. We were trying to figure finding a recorder was just ridiculous, uh, and then figuring out. I don't know about you, but you know, people RSS feeds were just difficult to figure out back then. There were no podcasting tools. We were just kind of doing it all by hand. Yeah, no, editing the RSS feed in text editor, and then like, why isn't it working? (laughs) (laughs) And then it's like, oh, because there's a missing apostrophe, or my favorite was always like, there was some character that it wasn't expecting, and it totally broke the rest of the feed. Like, why is only two episodes showing? All right, now you got to go back in here and figure out that the bold tag that happened to get snuck in there is totally screwing everything. You know, like those kinds of things. You were a website guy, so you could at least read code. I was there. I learned to read code because of doing podcasting. So, (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, it was was tough. Not only that, because also it was the Apple. This wasn't straight XML. This was Apple's iTunes, you know, tags in there. And the way they nested, it just... It wasn't very intuitive. (laughs) (laughs) And that's why there weren't many. Right, exactly. (laughs) Plus, we had the other problem. You guys did Disney. So your first, let's tell everybody, what was your first first podcast? First podcast was WDW Today. Which I miss you on dearly, by the way. So uh, I've been listening probably since the beginning of that show because my wife and I are such huge Disney. We moved to Florida partly to be near disney yeah Uh, so that was one of the reasons and you know and i miss getting my disney news from you every every week well i appreciate it it was a lot of fun i gotta tell you you did it for how many years right around 10 years and then we uh yep just we a little over 10 and then uh that was it yeah so now you when you started doing the disney podcast were you just a huge disney fan and that's what you had your passion about was a, a strategic move to do the disney show what was it you know, I had started back in 2002, I started StudioCentral.com. Actually, back then, it was MGMStudios.org. It was a website dedicated to uh, then the Disney MGM Studios, which which is now known as Disney's Hollywood Studios. But it's a theme park in Walt Disney World. And and I had been doing that for a couple of years. And then podcasting came out. And, uh, you know, the, being the geek that I am, you, you know, I was like, oh, not only when I first heard about podcasting, the natural thought I was, oh, wouldn't it be cool to do a podcast about Disney World? And uh, Ricky Briganti was actually 
full credit. He started his Inside the Magic. He was the first one I was ever aware of. And I think that that kind of also lit the light bulb for a lot of folks as well in that it was uh, practical or feasible. And for me, when we started the podcast, I think when we were envisioning what it was going to be, Glenn, I think it was really about it. We thought the podcast would augment the websites because I started the podcast with uh, three other guys or four of us in total. We all had our own little websites that we were running that had different you know, scopes, but they were all about Disney World. And we thought the podcast would augment the sites. But what ended up happening was the sites augmented the podcast. The podcast blew up and became it, it its own world, which is awesome and totally unexpected and and a pleasant surprise. And 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 that was really the so my thoughts going into it did not match what ended up happening uh, in the years to come. Now, did you? We always had the problem in the early days is just teaching people how to listen to a podcast. I mean, you know, back in in the 2006 even to 2000, well, up until about two years ago when (laughs) NPR helped us out. um, Was that always a challenge for you guys, too? Yeah, and it still remains a challenge today. I mean, a certain segment of the population will never, not even certain, a fairly large segment of the population has no idea. Certainly back in from 05 till even 2010 or so. I mean, podcasting was something that if you didn't know, you could tell immediately like, what? And it'd be like, you know, it's an online radio Did you, show. Yeah. Oh, okay. Well, and I would always get, what station are you on? All the time. <laughs> All the time. Yeah. yeah. Did I get in my car? Well, not exactly. <laughs> it was different. I, you know, obviously iTunes helped us out there, but you know, iTunes uh, made it more mainstream, but people still, you know, iTunes, you know, still there's people today that are in the Android world that would have no idea even what iTunes is. Right. And even in even in iTunes, I mean, it's not like it's the default page you go on when you load iTunes. It's kind of I don't want to say buried, but it's not the most prominent thing that Apple does. That being said, it's still out there. But yeah, you're right. There's a there is a there's a learning curve to it. And I think some people don't even know it exists, so thus they won't seek you out necessarily. When I'm consulting people about starting podcasts, I always say you have to find a niche. And then when you find that niche, niche it down even more. Yeah. And you guys started in a niche, much like ours over in the horse world. As a matter of fact, a lot like ours in the horse world. Disney people are fanatics. They live for it. They spend all their money on it. They go to Disney every year like we used, my wife and I used to. We don't even have kids. Uh, so it you did the right thing at the right time, which was uh, the niche. Yeah. Yeah. It, there's no question about it. I mean, an old um, colleague of mine, you say the riches are in the niches. Which is, you know, you know, you can't, you're not going to compete with, you know, NBC, right? You know, you're just, it's, it's not really going to be something you want to do. You, you know, the the problem with it, unless you have a huge marketing campaign behind you, which you probably don't, or any money for that matter, you know, it, it's really hard to do that. And to that extent, if you can focus on the niches, you're going to be able to undercut the kind of coverage that the big boys really can't do. But more importantly, it's going to provide you with the subject matter that you're actually interested in talking about. And that's what really comes to the forefront is people, the listeners know when you're passionate about something and when you're going through the paces. And I think that that's really why I've tended to gravitate towards certain subjects. People say, Matt, why don't you do cover, you know, X, Y, and Z? And I tell them flat out, I say, because I don't really care. It's not really my interest. I mean, you know, it's just, it's not what I'm passionate about. And you'll, you'll get way oh, more. Oh, by the way, posts. everybody, he was that way about certain things at Disney too. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. But it really does. It, it. It, I think it lends itself to like my favorite park, uh, Animal Kingdom. He didn't really have much time for Animal Kingdom. Yeah, that was my favorite park. Every time you would say that on the show, I'd go, oh, he put a little knife in my back. Sorry. 
<laughs> but I'm an animal guy. See, that's the difference, right? Right. Absolutely. Yeah, that's the difference. But you're absolutely right. I wasn't going to talk about something. Uh, you know, when we did our first show, it was about horses. I'm a horse husband. I am not a trainer. I've never ridden in a horse show, but I married a horsewoman and I got thrown into this world. And that's what, and it's, it's a world I like. I like the world. I like the people in it. It's so funny because people often, you'll relate to this too. People often say to me, and my wife says this all the time, and I have 30 co-hosts now. All of my co-hosts are horse girls, or most of them girls, are horse girls. They are into, I am a, I like horse people. I like horses, and I have horses, but I really find horse people fascinating. They find the horses fascinating, which is what makes us good teams on the show. Yeah, you know what? And it's funny, about the people in general is really what I think makes the podcast, because it's a very intimate experience. A blog or a website is a one-to-many. You publish, it goes out to many, but it's very, you know, th- there's not a whole lot of co- uh, communication back in the sense like you get, um, maybe you might have comments or a message board, but still, you're only talking about a fraction of the population that ever writes back. Um, but with a podcast, it's very much more of a, of, a, of a familiar experience, and you get, I feel like people really latch on more, and they communicate more with you, and that only serves to benefit each side because the audience obviously is getting entertainment out of it, if not education as well. And for you as the producer, I, I hate operating in a vacuum. I want this to be a conversation. And so the more that you can hear back to me as a as a podcaster or producer, however you want to look at it, it is far more rewarding to me because I feel like I'm not in a vacuum. Do you know what I mean? Oh, I know exactly what you mean. And, you know, we, we fortunately, it takes a while to build that when you have a podcast. It does. Uh, you know, it, it takes a while for that to happen. It might have happened for you guys a little sooner than it did for us. But now we have, you know, we have a huge community of, of people who will tell us exactly what they think of, of my comments <laughs> on shows and things. But it's what, you know, it's what makes it work. And now, now we have a group of auditors. There are Patreon supporters, and we call them auditors. And they have their own, there are 225 of them now. And they have their own room and they hang out in there and they they they're like a family and and you know they're so looking forward to the cruise coming up that we're doing because they can get together now and you do you've always done the disney uh meetups how important were those meetups to your success on the show meetups in general have generally been a great way to augment i you know one of the things what i like about them is they help really uh May help. It, it, it's a better communication uh, between the podcaster and the listener involved. When you meet folks, when they get a chance to meet you, it's a really special moment for them because they get a chance to finally meet the person they've been they've been listening to for so long. But it also helps really establish, I think, a great rapport between the two. And this goes back to what I said earlier about you know the one to many with a website versus you know meetups. Meetups have been a great tool for essentially. You know, getting us uh, making people more passionate, if you will, because they get a chance to see you, talk with you, converse with you. It makes them feel even more so like you really are friends. Because when when you're talking on a virtual environment, Glenn, you know, it's it's tough because you know, like you and I. Let's say you and I, for example, we haven't met before in real life, but you know, I obviously I like you. We we, we talked here and on this podcast, and uh, you know, I got nothing to get. You know, it, but it's not the same as when you actually meet somebody in real life and you get a chance to shake their hand. And talk, look them in the eyes, and 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 talk with them. I think that really adds another layer to it, and it's almost like a cement, if you will, if I can use that kind of a metaphor. And that builds those kind of relationships that will last far longer than somebody who comes in and you know grabs a piece of, uh, of information and then leaves. And I think that's really the 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 benefit. Plus, they're fun to do. I enjoy just hanging out with people, talking 
you know, uh, uh, in my case, Royal Caribbean or Disney in the past. But it's it's uh, I, you know, I enjoy it because it's fun to talk. And I think they enjoy it, too, because it's very rewarding. I'm talking to Matt Hotchberg of Royal Caribbean blog and also the Royal Caribbean podcast uh, and the past uh, WDW today. Right. That's right. I um. You just said something before we went to the break. Do you miss doing the Disney podcast? I miss the people involved. I'll be honest. We used to do an annual event in Walt Disney World called uh, – it was originally uh, – it was built off something called Mouse Fest, but we ended up calling it – we did our own take on it, which was called Reunion. I miss the people, Glenn. I don't miss the day-to-day stuff, um, <laughs> the work involved. But um, I don't know what you you're know, talking about. <laughs> 17 shows I, later. <laughs> right. But what I do love about it, what I do miss absolutely are the people. I can tell you, Glenn, if you, if you were here, I would go through my phone and show you that like most of the people in my contacts, my friends, are people that I've met through the podcast. And to me, that is really powerful. That's an amazing experience. I can think I can rattle off for you even more people who've gotten married because of the podcast or are friends because of the podcast or have, you know, gone on vacation with other people because of the podcast. That those bridges that were built from that, that is what I miss. And I miss those people. And I I, I had a, a moment of reflection with myself when we we decided to stop WW today. Or I decided to stop it anyway. And and say, you know, self, I've given this up. This is the part you really genuinely enjoy. And it was tough. It was, but uh, that is definitely. I definitely miss the people. No question about it. That's what hangs heavy in my mind, even when we're talking about it right now. Yeah, I yeah, I, I knew that was going to be your answer because I would answer to the same thing. Yeah, you know, all of all of the other stuff we do for me, it's selling ads and you know do, making sure that all the feeds are working. And we have thirteen, going to be fifteen shows soon. And it, I think last month Jennifer said we put out seventy three episodes. So you know. All of that's great, but I love being on the mic. I love the guests that we've talked to, and I love communicating with our listeners. Now, we have an easier way to do that, thanks to Facebook, than when we first started. But, you know, that's that's gotten so much easier than the old days. Uh, And it just, it is what makes it. And when we get those emails, and I know you get them too, where something we said or did, or just being there for them every day, providing a little humor, a little entertainment, has changed their life or helped them. This is the one that's most rewarding for me, and I know you've gotten these, that we've helped them get through a divorce, a difficult time, a death in the family, or we had, you know, a couple recently that they were looking at ending their lives, and it was because of our shows that they didn't. Yeah, I mean that's incredible, is what it really is. And, and to you've have gotten that, them though. I guarantee you, with Disney especially, you you must have got those. Yeah, and it's it's incredible because I think from a day to day standpoint, I know that I don't think about it. It's not something I really, you know, I'm just like, okay, I'm talking about, you know. A strategy for hitting up the Magic Kingdom in the morning and then having a, a break in the afternoon, like, right? Not not exactly, you know, uh, saving the world kind of stuff here. It's just, you know, it is what it is. And when you hear those kinds of stories, people email you or call you or you see them in in in, in real life and they tell you these kinds of things, it really gives you a moment of like, wow, wow, I didn't. It's it just you're not prepared for it. No, because amazing. I think of myself as the class clown. I just happen to have a microphone. You know, <laughs> yeah, it's like, do you know? Do you know who you're talking to? Like. <laughs> Are you sure this is the right show? Like, <laughs> that's right. 
<laughs> yeah, as far as I know, we haven't done any therapy on this show. <laughs> but yet we do, and that's the amazing part. And I know you're a lot like me that way. You, we kind of do look at ourselves as the class clown. We're having fun. We're entertaining. We're, our job is to entertain, right? If we right. educate along the way, that's great. If they learn something, that's great. But they're not listening because we're, they're learning something every minute. They're listening because we help entertain their day. And sometimes we do forget, and I have to think about the podcast I listen to, we do forget that that helps people get through the day. Yeah, yeah. It's part of the routine. It's not even getting part of the day. It's like it's like counting on like, okay, I'm gonna get coffee in the morning. I'm gonna, you know, like all those things that you count on, like it's part of your routine. And if you miss it, if you miss your coffee in the morning, if you if you don't brush your teeth in the morning, it totally throws it off. And and that goes back to, you know, you know, don't not missing a podcast episode on schedule because that'll be the same kind of thing for a lot of folks is they really do take it personally. Well, that was I a remember- question I was going to ask you because I think that's one of the biggest thing that annoys me about podcasters is yes. them missing episodes. And in, in nine years, 60, we're up to 6,100 episodes. We have never missed an sh- episode. And I'm very proud of that. You know, and you know what kind of a pain in the ass that was sometimes. Um, and how we didn't want to sometimes, or we were sick or whatever, but we got them out, even if it was a best of or something. And I know you guys never did either. And boy, when I'm talking to podcasters today, that's the first thing I say. You just don't miss episodes. If they call me and want some consultation i look at their feed and if they missed episodes i will not do it yeah i I think that's that's a huge one i remember in ww today we started the podcast and one of the either the first year or the second year labor day came around and we're like all right we're gonna take labor day off okay we're like okay yeah because it made sense why would you know we we recorded on sundays it was a weekend so it's like why would we do that and so we skipped it and then there was all these people who were upset like what are you talking about it's not a holiday over (laughs) here because they lived in england or what have you and and it was like you're right. It was it was like you know it's not only was it a bad they didn't enjoy it. I do agree from a producer standpoint. No matter what you do as a podcaster, the worst thing you can do is let your listenership down. And the number one way you can let them down is by not producing it when you say it. If you pick a schedule, if you say I'm going to do one podcast every six months, which is not ideal, Glenn, but yeah. let's say you say that. If you stick with it, you'll have the same three listeners every six. Right, months. right, yeah. <laughs> right. But but right. But you know what? They will come back and they'll expect it. When you start missing it, for whatever reason, uh, you know, it it really it's like shooting yourself in the foot is what it is. And and I now I can't even imagine. It's not even like a thought in my mind. I mean, I would rather I, oh, you better you not, on, because I've been counting on your shows to get get us through this cruise in May. So right, it's yeah, just, uh, I'll it kick your ass. My mind. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, you know it's funny. I, I opened at Podfest this year in Florida, and by the way, we need to get you coming out to some of the podcasting conferences. I would love that. Are you kidding? Yeah, we need to get you out. There. You've been doing it long enough. I think you're qualified. Um, you. So, so we uh, Podfest in Florida, which is one you should come to next year. I'll send you the stuff. I did Thank the you. opening keynote, and I started with what I started with, and you're going to appreciate this. Is I said, look, I wake up every morning to Dave Jackson, or every Monday morning, I'm taking a shower with Dave Jackson. <laughs> every Thursday morning, I'm taking a shower with Steve Adams of the Appalachian Trail Podcast of Mighty Blue. I take showers with them on those two days, and if they're not there, I'm pissed because I'm looking <laughs> forward to those showers. But that's tr- that is my routine. Absolutely, it's 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 such a critical part. I mean, you're talking about new podcasters or podcasters looking to improve. If you just put out your podcast on schedule, whatever schedule it is, but what you put it out on schedule, you're like you've already that. That's the number one thing you the 
number one thing you can do to make it already off to a great start. And you're right. If you can think of the big people that are, that are the brand names, if you will, in podcasting, they all stick. They all stick on the schedule. You know, even if they, they have no voice, well, then they're. <laughs> their spouse is doing the podcast. Someone's doing it, but they're getting out there. They're they're recording in advance. They've got some in the can. Any way they can do what they can do to make it so that they stick to that schedule. That's like the and it's an easy thing to do because you know it doesn't. We're not talking about talent or or skills or anything like that. This is just sticking to something, right? And and that gumption, I think, really makes a big difference. Now you had some competition when you started uh, the Disney podcast, and in, in the form of Lou Mangello, and and you know obviously he still has one of the top Disney podcasts out there. Uh, did that was that even a, a thought at that time? No, you know what I want to give Lou credit for one thing that he introduces. I used to think about it that way as well, and he said, you know, we're not really competitors; we're just augmenting each other. We're, you know, we all do our own little thing. I mean, Lou's show was very, it still is very different than the show I used to do. I mean, I would never. I mean, Lou's take on it is different than my take on it. And while we are talking about the same subject, in in a sense, we're talking about it in different manner. And so there's some people who listen to Lou's show, but you know, and say, "Oh, I'm never listening to that." Or people who listen to my show, and say, "I'm never listening to that." And and but they would listen to one or the other. Do you know what I mean? Well, why? And and, and the reason for that goes back to what we talked about earlier: is the host, right? Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, and, and it's, the, it's a different approach, and that's what's wonderful. So I don't look at it as competition. I think it's just uh, we're, all, we're all in a community, and we are supporting each other. And, and I think that while there were others that are out there, I mean, when we first started the Disney podcast, uh, the big one that was out there and still is is uh, Inside the Magic by Ricky Briganti. Oh, and, he's not there anymore. Yeah, he took a he's kind of t- t- he's t- not t- there anymore. Well. And I used to listen to his show religiously. And yep. that is another lesson is people don't listen to just one show. Right. Absolutely. And so we all help each other that way. You know, I always, there's been a couple of horse podcasts that come along, along the way, you know, and come and gone, as most of them do, right? Um, Mm -hmm. They last six months and they go. But we've never had that help like you guys have had on the Disney side. Because people would find Lou and they'd go looking for others. We never had that. People would find this and go looking for others. So we kind of never had that help. And it is a help. It is a help if there's multiple podcasts because people don't listen to just one. But Inside the Magic, and by the way, I'm still mad at him. Um, I used to listen for the news, especially at the beginning of every episode. I just right. religiously would, and I'm sure you did. Yes, <laughs> like, and, and you know what he did, and Ricky did news. We never did news because I was my personal thought was that news is only news when you when it comes out. But a week, even a week later, it's not news anymore. It's just information that everybody already knows. But and that's so why I, I listened to his show was for right, the news. And I, yeah. Right, you've listened to that, and that was his approach, and my approach was different than that. Yeah. And I think that just that just kind of augments each other, and and I think that's good. And the also the other thing is, and you kind of are hitting upon this, was that you know there are different communities out there. The Disney community is a very tight community; like it's very hard to do something and not everybody know what's going on, right? Like, oh, did you hear what you know Glenn did and what have you? Like, people know about what Lou's up to and what the Inside the Magics and Attractions Magazine and all the ones that are out there. They know about that kind of stuff. And other communities, and I found this in the cruising community, it's a little more spread out. It's a little more decentralized. And and that's – it's interesting. It's just different is what it is. But you're right that it, it can – if you don't – if you're not in that kind of a tight-knit community, it's a little more difficult to maybe get noticed or or uh, support each other. But you know, it kind of comes down to how you approach it and what you do to help uh, you know, lend a hand, if you will, or just support other folks that are doing uh, similar things. You're at episode 194. Let's go a little bit uh, up in time now. You're at episode 194 on the Royal Caribbean podcast. So when did you start that? 
The podcast? Yeah. You know, the, the podcast I started uh, back in 2014, I believe. T- so, 2013. Okay. So I was, yeah. it's actually been sooner than I thought. Um, now, you, this is an interesting thing, and I wanted to ask you about this. In the horse world, there are silos. Mm-hmm. Let me explain silos for those that haven't gone to marketing class. There are uh, divisions in the horse world. We have English and Western riding. We have people who ride dressage and people who ride reining and people who cut cows. And you, and there are all these silos that kind of seem like different worlds. Is it that way with the ships or are cruisers cruisers? Or are there just people who do Royal Caribbean and people who only do Disney? You're the second part. They're they're very much most people have a general cruising interest, but there's very much cruise line affiliations. Uh, more so among the obviously the established veterans. When you're new to cruising, you're more a little more agnostic. You agree that the cruise lines exist, but you're not sure which one is the right one. But when you get to a, a certain point, I mean, you generally become you know uh, ingrained in 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 a particular cruise line. Much like it's almost like a credit card in the sense that you get the best value out of it when you stick to one. You move your way up through the customer loyalty program, and and then obviously it's because you probably like the experience as well. So you kind of gravitate towards those crews. I'll say everyone goes that way, but generally speaking, there are you know there are there's a subset of Royal Caribbean fans, subset of Carnival fans, subset of Disney fans, subset of Norwegian fans, and, and whatnot. And their sizes may vary depending on the cruise line and whatnot. But yeah, there I think I think that's fair to say, Glenn, that those kind of silos or verticals do exist in the cruising world as well. So have ha, ha, have you had any interest? You know, I'm I'm kind of known as the network guy now. I helped a lot of people start networks. Have you had any interest in doing multiple shows about multiple about Disney and the others? You know, personally, I don't only because it doesn't hold my interest. Uh, the reason why I started Royal Caribbean Blog uh, in general and the podcast as well was simply because I really really like taking Royal Caribbean cruises. I thought it was great and really. Uh, it really appealed to me. And I remember some people say, Matt, why don't you do, why do you limit yourself to Royal Caribbean? Why don't you do a website about cruising in general? That's the obvious choice, right? There's so many. And I, I gave him two answers. One is that number one, there are already websites that exist that, that do a pretty darn good job of covering both websites, newspapers, public, various publications of whatnot. They cover that. This is a hobby of mine. I, I would, you know, to, at best, I'd be trying to equal what they're doing, let alone surpass them. And the other side of the coin was also that I knew that. I didn't really care about it. I wasn't as passionate about other cruise lines. And so if I don't have that passion, if I don't really, quote unquote, care, then it's really going to reflect in my work, right? And I think pretty soon people would figure out that, okay, well, this blog that's about cruising is really about Royal Caribbean. <laughs> and that would kind of, it would come up anyway. So I just felt like when you can when you can get focus in on what we talked about earlier, Glenn, which is that, you know, niching yourself and then even then getting in a smaller niche, it helps you focus your efforts and be more uh, useful to your audience. What's been your biggest challenge in the podcasting world over the years? I think by far it's got to be, I think everyone goes through this, is breaking out of your bubble. It's that notion of what you do on a day-to-day basis will reach a certain subset of audience out there, but you know the audience is bigger. You know it is, but you can't reach them because they haven't been they haven't found you for whatever reason. Or they haven't found and, podcasting, period. Right, right. exactly. Yeah. Right. It, how, there's many different ways of that. And trying to continuously push that on, so you can break out of the bubble you're currently in into a larger bubble and then obviously break out of that bubble, keep moving the ball forward. It's not all about numbers. I always tell people I don't think that it's about, oh, I've got this amount of listeners or you know, or anything like that. I don't. I try not to focus on that because it's not really necessarily the end-all, be-all of what makes a successful podcast or not. However, 
it certainly does help. Numbers do help and they help you understand where you are and what your interest is. And I think that the biggest challenge really is just, you know, how do you reach more people? Because I know people want to find this kind of stuff because I, I like to think that the information we have on the podcast is pretty darn interesting. But I got to reach those people. I got to let them know that, hey, there's a thing called podcasting. I do one. And oh, yeah, by the way, you have an interest in Royal Caribbean or cruising or both. I think you'd really find this really useful, interesting, fun, informative, et cetera. And, you know, boom, that's that's the key. right? And there. haven't you just described, though, the challenge for every business in every market? <laughs> Pretty much. I think it's <laughs> right. I, I mean, though, isn't that the marketing true. challenge of any business? That's probably true. Yeah, I yeah. think that with podcasting, though, and something that you talked about already, which is that because the nature of podcasting, there is a bit of a uh, knowledge that like everyone knows there are cars and, and, you know, uh, bank loans and whatnot, but not everyone knows there are things called podcasts, let alone podcasts about Royal Caribbean. And so I feel like that's the other larger technical challenge that comes with it. Um, and that's just, but I think a lot of it, I take it as a personal challenge more. So I don't just say, well, it is what it is. And I'm only ever going to reach this amount of people. I really firmly believe that I can reach more people. It's up to me to make that happen. Okay, now not using a name. You don't have to use a name here. And I was just interviewed for a cool podcast, and I don't know if you've heard of it, called My Worst Interview Ever. I was just interviewed on that yesterday. And I had to think, we've done 7,200 interviews here over the years. So, you know, there's been been some interesting (laughs) ones along the way. What was your worst interview ever? You don't don't Um, have to name a name. (laughs) Yeah, there was one interview we did. uh, A gentleman came up with a – I just narrowed it down 50% of the population. Uh, A gentleman wrote a book. A person. A person person, wrote a book. (laughs) A person wrote a book, and the person came on and really had a really negative attitude. I'm not sure if they were just – I don't know what it was. I really don't know, but it wasn't engaging. They clearly were just going through the paces, almost reading off PR stuff. You know, like, you know, they were just – like whatever the the publisher told them to, to say essentially. And it was just like within like five minutes, I was I, I kind of punched out. I was like, well, you guys can take this one because this is back in the Disney days. And I just you know knew that it really wasn't it wasn't contributing anything like, you know, like, I, you know, we kind of often joke about shameless plugs. That's really what it was, because the guy you, you got to give us something you got to talk about. It. Show us why this is interesting or more importantly, talk about your own life. Forget the book for a second. Talk about your experiences. That's what we want to hear about. And if you're that interesting, certainly to write a book, you've got experiences. And unfortunately, that one was just uh, kind of a, a dud in the sense of... Well, um, and and I'm sure you find this too. And <laughs> Okay, we'll see if I ever get an author to come back on the show again. Um, <laughs> but authors are, are either really good guests or they're just kind of introverts and they're not really good guests on radio. Yeah, that's true. And speaking in general is definitely... Even just audio, forget, no one can see you, but still like, that raises their level of, uh, of timidness and shyness and... You're right. It, it, it kind of uh, – there's always some folks who are just like, ah, uh, yes. Right, exactly. <laughs> like, exactly. What? Okay. We get, we get some of those in the horse world. <laughs> so, <laughs> you know, the one thing – the trick – one of the tricks that we've used – I'm giving away all the state secrets today. One of the tricks we use, if we know a, pod, if we know a guest is, is nervous, and especially for our live show, because that – you know, they always get nervous for the live show. But our, our producer will say, this guest is nervous. And we have a trick that we use, Jamie and I usually. We always ask them about their, their personal horse first, because once somebody starts talking about their personal personal horse, and they, they, it loosens them right up, and then they forget that they're even right. on well, the air. Did you have a trick? Did you have something along the way that you knew you could use to get them relaxed? You know what it is? It's it's what, you, as a guy, I don't, I don't think any of the, I don't know if the girls know this, but as a guy, one of the best things you can do on a first date 
is make the girl talk about herself because inevitably that gets them talking. And number one, no one, they don't want to hear what you have to say anyway. So right. they um, still don't. even after you're married, married <laughs> especially but after you, you're married, <laughs> but if you can get them talking about themselves and talking about their experiences, but they, they, that's their own experiences are their strength. They know that they know like the fact is it's a memory. They don't have to, they've literally memorized what that is and they can speak to that. So when you have a question, and the question is kind of something that maybe not be comfortable with. Ask them about their personal experience that's kind of related to that question, right? It's like, you know, rather than trying to, you know, give the, the twenty thousand dollar answer as to that it'll cover encompass everything. Well, what, what, you know, Glenn, what was your experience like when you did this, you know, last year on blah blah blah, right? Like, what? Give us your your tell us more about what you did, forgetting everything else, and that helps build the foundation for you to jump in then. And, you know, expand upon that answer and obviously share with anything else that's pertinent or whatnot. But I think really making it about them and kind of making them just share story. Storytelling is really one of the best strategies. Yeah. And it's kind of what what same thing we do is have them tell stories about their horse, basically. So, yeah, yeah. it's the same thing that we do. Well, uh, do you see yourself uh, ever becoming a full time? You have a, another job. You're a web designer, right? Yeah, web developer. Yeah, I do that. Uh, man, that's like the that's the ultimate question. I've spent a lot of time thinking about that. Well, I, let, let me finish it for everybody who didn't get it. I know you got it. Um, <laughs> do you ever see yourself becoming a full time podcaster, being able to support yourself doing just podcasting, and in your case, blogging? I certainly can see myself doing it in the sense of like you know um, what interest level and whatnot. The issue is, do I really feel in my heart of hearts that financially it will be viable? Dude, I don't know in today in 2017 if I can see it happening anytime in the near future. I have a (laughs) – we should grab beer sometime and I'll tell you my theory about about the nature of the internet in general. And I think that one of the things – basically here's a short version of it. If you want to become a mechanic or you want to sell art or you want to quilt or anything, any of the established – businesses that are out there's a business model for it right almost anything you want to go be an astronaut there's a bit there's i mean there's 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 a proven path in which you can make a living off of that right and the internet's not built like that i mean everything's expected to be free and and the idea for some people the idea even charging a dollar for anything is just like what that's crazy talk and i feel like because there, there is no business model i mean to make money on the internet you've either got to sell a service or a product You've got, or, you know, if you have one, right, if you've got a business that's around there, I mean, you're, there's no like website you can't write, you can't have, make money off purely an informational website or an informational podcast. Well, even you even your full time job has gotten harder. Right. Than exactly. what it was years ago, thanks to WordPress and templates and, you know, everything else um, has gotten a little harder. I know exactly what you're talking. Obviously, <laughs> I'm a full time <laughs> podcaster. So, you know, we're always we're always looking at the, the next sponsor and the next uh, advertiser. We were fortunate in that I didn't know there. This sounds stupid. And I know you're going to laugh. I didn't even know there were podcasting conferences and things until about two years ago. There's a Florida mm-hmm. Podcasting Association, which I'm now a very big member of. I didn't know about that. I didn't even... I was just in my own world doing my thing, what I thought I had to do. And we had to eat. You know, we had both been... Uh, I had, My company sold, and then my wife got laid off. And it was like, okay, we need to eat. So yeah. we just did what we had to to eat. And 
you know, it's that simple, right? But if you look at the rules that are developing in podcasting right now, and I know you see them, the rules, we mm-hmm. violate every one of them. <laughs> um, <laughs> and you know what? We're not doing too bad. So, I, you know, that's also what I talk about at conferences is there still are no rules. No. You know, we, you, know, you do what works for you and your listeners. And, your, I, and in my case, my sponsors. Yeah, no, I agree 100%. You got to make it about you. And what works for one person isn't what's going to work necessarily for another person. I mean, you know, I always use sports metaphors because every guy happens to use sports metaphors. And it's like baseball. Does every batter hit this in the same stance? No, not everybody hits the same way Babe Ruth did. But that's because it worked for Babe Ruth. Babe Ruth had a really awkward batting stance, as does every other batter. That's I mean, they're all very, very different. And so what works for one person may not work for another. It's about understanding what works for you, first and foremost. And also what works for your audience and what's going to be interesting and what you find interesting. I would tell people, you know, I would make the podcast that you'd want to listen to. And with WW Today, when we did it, we our old idea was we were going to do it within five minutes. That was our old slogan. It was five <laughs> minutes. We'd give you the world, which ended up not being Those three-hour shows I listened yeah. to? <laughs> <laughs> but the idea was we wanted it to be shorter <laughs> than longer. And that was because we personally didn't like long, you know, multi-hour yeah, podcasts. Yeah, I bet you your listeners dictated the length of that show, and they kept wanting it longer and longer. Absolutely, yep. you're absolutely right about yeah. that. And that's if you knowing- guys had done five minutes, I'd have been pissed because, you know, that that's the thing. People listen to our podcast because they're trying to kill time. They're doing right. something else where they need to kill time. And uh, we're just helping. Like right now, we're just talking nonsense, and they're listening. (laughs) (laughs) You're not wrong. (laughs) (laughs) RoyalCaribbeanBlog.com is where you can find Matt. Go to listen to the podcast. If you're at all interested in cruising, whether it's Royal Caribbean or whatever, you learn so much about cruising. We have. I mean, we have binged listened now. As soon as we booked our cruise, we have binged listened to a ton of your shows. Um, I think we've gone back through almost all of them, because every one you do tips and you read letters and you answer questions and I go I didn't know the walls were metal and we could bring magnets <laughs> but it but right I mean those are the little yeah. things that you don't know unless somebody tells you absolutely there's yeah. it's it's the it's the beauty of the internet is what that is now I did see one funny thing and I have to ask you about this and it was on your blog and then I'll let you go I promise <laughs> I've already kept you over time did, did I see that they was this on your blog that I saw that uh, Royal Caribbean announced that they were going to allow shorts into the main dining room in the evening and then took it back yeah yeah well here's what happened they updated their <laughs> I just website thought it to, sounded funny it was going talking yeah. about a marketing blunder yeah no they they posted that on the website that they were allowed and then they updated their website again they never made an announcement per se but they updated their website which essentially to me I mean what's the difference really but they made it within like two weeks they basically <laughs> updated that it was and then they update they took it away they never ever said that it wasn't a, the policy in fact it's never listed anywhere that you can't but it just basically was not the suggested attire anymore but of course like there, I, I'm sure you have topics like this in the horse world, Glenn. There are certain topics that will bring out everybody with pitchforks and and about <laughs> yeah, you know yes. flame torches <laughs> about you know oh my gosh you can't do that oh that's crossing the sacred be, line not dressing right. up for dinner yeah right yeah. and there's there's all those kinds of topics that are out there right and in the Disney world it's like you know can you ever uh, close down haunted mansion you know like and replace it with something else like you know that would bring out you know you'd have a huge subset of people that say yes and a huge subset that you know and they all hate each other and it ends up with profanity <laughs> but it's you know it's one of those topics we we have those in the course yes yeah we do. well thank you so much matt we really appreciate you stopping by thank you Glenn. i really appreciate it